This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them, and occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is Sunday, June 27th, and this is the Economy Guy coming your way again with a full economy, not the short version like last week. We have it all this week. I have five segments for you today. We're going to kick it off with the tidbits. A bunch of little short, sharp news articles which uh, catch your interest and set the scene for what's happening in the economy, around the economy. Uh, second, we'll uh, do a market wrap. What happened to the markets in this last week? Third, uh, I'm going to teach you what I've learned about lessons from the record margin debt. What? How can... How can we look at margin debt historically, and what lessons can we learn from it? Fourth segment will be a, uh, a, a truly great investor's method for <clears throat> making money in this market, in the stock market, um, in good and bad times both. And uh, what that person is saying, incidentally, part of it is you should be uh, covering your position because the risk is high for a down market compared to an up market right now. So protect yourself. That's part of it. But uh, I will, he has some very specific lessons on how to pick stocks uh, for all markets. And uh, last is our precursors, our uh, six precursors for a, to a market crash. Let's see where those sit now. So onward. And on to segment one, the tidbits. We have one from Europe, which is an interesting one in France. This is kind of common sense if you think about it, but I've never thought about it before. So here it is. The um, number of bankruptcies in France has crashed down to very record low numbers <laughs> during the COVID and is there right now. It's uh, Normally, there's between 75 and 90,000 bankruptcies in France every year. Uh, this past year, there were 50,000 bankruptcies, so a major drop in the number of bankruptcies. Why? Because of the benefits the governments have been giving companies. Uh, so uh, what can you predict from that? A common sense that that says that would happen. People would hang on if they get free money from the government. When that money stops, you can predict the number of bankruptcies will be made up. So uh, it'll probably hit a record high sometime in the future in France. And uh, that's interesting, but ho-hum. Okay, on to the next tidbit. Um, shipping costs, you know, ships crossing the ocean. The cost of shipping in the ocean is peaking right now, right now. It's about 50% more than it was a year ago, and it's uh, about 200% higher than its average costs over the years. So it costs a lot of money to move things across the ocean. So that just is an inflationary push. Third tidbit here. Um, 
U.S. factories are exceptionally strong in their growth right now. So I've always been saying the U.S. economy is really red hot and it's proving it. All the indicators show that it's red hot. And, and that's true. And something along the, that same line, which shows you how red hot the U.S. economy is, we have a record number of people quitting their job in the United States. And uh, that's just amazing. So, it, I mean, it's, it's just, I find that like 4 million people quit their job in April. Why? They feel very confident either they can get a new job or they don't care or something. But uh, that's a fascinating input. It shows you a very strong economy, that's for sure. People do not quit jobs if they're in desperate monetary situations. Okay. Oh. You know, those. I talk about the supply chain. There's a measurement of it, the supply chain. It's how long it takes to, uh, to get your stuff. So the supply chain problems, I thought were going to get better with time and a recovery. They're not. The supply chain delays are worse now than they ever have been. And this is a lagging indicator, but it certainly shows that things are getting worse from our supply chain. Again, this is a, an inflationary pressure problem that should cause prices to go up. Now, let's see here. Oh, oh how about uh, strand board? That's a... a, a a manufactured board that's used in construction of new houses. Uh, that is having a record high price. I thought lumber prices were coming down, and indeed, real lumber prices, two by fours, things like that, are coming down. But this particular pri uh, board, which is really used in new house construction, it's very similar to particle board, but better. And it's uh, now currently at a high record high price, it's 10 times its normal price. 10 times. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, things. It used to be really cheap, now it's really expensive. So, how about the Fed? Let's talk about the Fed. You remember Fed Chairman Powell said, hey, we're gonna have some, uh, we're gonna have some things happen sooner, like we're gonna raise interest rates in 2023 rather than 2024. That was an absolute admission of their failure of, of inflation, that inflation is high, it's going to stay high, and this is his way of saying it's not transitory, it's not coming back down. However, he did say it's, well, it's transitory, but when he admitted he had to pull back in the uh, raising interest rates, he, he's basically admitting defeat, he's basically saying that inflation will continue up. And here's another one. This last week, Fed member Kaplan said that uh, those rate hikes that uh, Powell was talking about in 2023 will take place in 2022. How about that? And on to segment two, the market wrap. What happened? Well, let's look at the Dow 30. Ended at 34,435. That's up 1,200 points for the week, a massive up. But the previous week was down 1,200 points for the week. In reality, the stock market is in a nice trend sideways. It's going up and down and up and down in a little channel. It is so it stocks are going sideways. You know, if you're going to hit a new peak with the Dow, you have to be around 35,000. It's possible that'll happen, but uh, not yet. 
How about the 10-year Treasury interest rate? 1.536%. It uh, was 1.45 the week before that. That's basically a sideways trend. Anything around 1.5% is not going anywhere. It's time frame. It's got to move up toward 2%. Then I'd, I'll get all excited. But uh, nope, not yet. The U.S. dollar, 119.39 for the euro, 138.83 for the pound. Uh, that's weaker. Remember, we had our super strong dollar of the week before. This time it weakened, so it's in a sideways trend. So stocks, bonds, currencies are all going sideways. All sideways. No big moves. Oil, $74 compared to $71.50. That's a big up. This is not going sideways. This is going up. It's been up multiple weeks in a row now. This is highly inflationary to have oil prices at $74. And, uh, and this will become more painful. More painful. Uh, sorry about that. Gold, uh, $17.82. That's up $17 for the week. Uh, still a, uh, a screaming buy in my personal opinion, but uh, that's just an opinion. Do your own research on that. And so much for the wrap. Let's move on to the next segment. And on to the third segment. What can we learn about the history of margin debt in the stock market? And, uh, well, first of all, let's start with the fact that right now we have a record amount of margin debt. You know, and you can say, oh, well, that's interesting. So what? And, uh, and there's some truth in the so what part of this, but it's sitting at $460 billion of borrowed money in margin, margin debt in the U.S. stock market right now. That is a record. It was never that much before. And that is a leading indicator of, uh, of a crash, believe it or not. Um, but it's not an, an indicator of an imminent crash. And you can say, well, so what? Because, hey, the more money there is in the stock market, the more margin debt there will be in the stock market because the more value that is there. And that's all true. So, uh, but what, what can we learn from the history? Let's look at the history of margin debt. First of all, we can say that, that the uh, S&P 500 peaks about four to six months after the margin debt peaks. That's You have to look at this in 2020 hindsight because you never know when the margin debt has peaked until it goes down. So if it starts going down, it says ASP will peak, the actual market will peak four to six months later. That's history. And, uh, and so the question then is, is, well, if it does peak now, does that mean the S&P is going to peak in four months from now? That's I'll just leave that out there. Well, there's not enough data, realistic history data, to make this a, a good indicator. That's why it's not one of my precursors. So, I mean, so why am I bringing this to you at all? Well, you see, what really here's the, the real lesson for this segment. What really causes a market crash? What really causes it? And it is the unwinding of leverage. Margin debt is just a form of leverage. People are buying more by borrowing some money. That's leverage. You're buying on leverage. You're not paying cash for things. And so when that leverage unwinds, in other words, people have to sell it because they have to pay for their debt. Uh, or if a uh, brokerage has to sell because it's bankrupt, and that's really dire circumstances. 
that is what causes causes truly causes a market crash. Uh, of those two things, I would say that market debt is the uh, one that's going to cause the next one because it's at a peak. So there's your lesson for today in in this segment. Just realize that we are at a peak. It's absolutely peak today. Anyway, this is talking about this weekend. It's absolutely at a peak, and it uh, isn't getting any better until it doesn't. So when it starts coming down, maybe something to watch. Not easy to find that data, but you can. Be talking to you next. And on to segment number four. This is a, a great person's rationale for how to pick stocks in any market and uh, to become out a winner. Now, this person is the founder of the best financial newspaper that's out there. It's called Investor Business Daily, IBD. The Investor, probably uh, some of you or all of you have read the Investor Business Daily. It is by far the best uh, written paper on the markets. It, the founder's name was William O'Neill, and uh, he had a strategy. He's also a stockbroker, an investor, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, very successful. And his, uh, his philosophy is don't argue with the, with the market. I mean, that's very similar to my don't fight the Fed if the Fed's going a certain direction. Uh, and when you do invest, don't lose, or if you're going to lose, lose the least amount possible when you're wrong. So you have to think about that, lose the least amount possible when you're wrong. That's kind of interesting, rather than make the most possible, right? Because everybody just looks at the upside. He's saying, look at the downside and minimize the down. It sounds pretty wise to me. So he has seven steps when he picks a stock, uh, a growth stock specifically. He's thinking of growth. And when you pick a growth stock in the market, here are the seven things that he wants to see before he picks the stock. First, he wants the current quarterly earnings to be an increase of at least 25% higher. That's a big jump. That's a very strong earnings growth. He, uh, second, he wants the annual earnings growth of, uh, that first one was a quarterly earnings growth. He wants the annual earnings growth to be greater than 25% and uh, with at least a 17% return on investment, return on earnings, actually 17% return on earnings. Those are you know, things that you can get in the newspaper. The third thing he looks for, does the company have some new products or new management or new services they're offering. You look, he's looking for, he wants something new. New means growth, and that's why he's saying that. The fourth thing is, he says, you want to see that there is a low supply and a high demand for their products. Well, that's good. I mean, but so that's something you look for too. It's looking for market dynamics for, in, for that 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 company is in. The fifth one, <clears throat> he wants to see that that company is a leader in its industry. It's not in, you know, fourth or fifth place. It's a leader. It's number one or two. Okay. The sixth thing he looks for is that the company has an institutional sponsorship by investment funds or by banks. That's the way markets work, incidentally. So, and that's why he's saying he wants to see institutional sponsorship. If you don't have it, you're not as strong as the ones that do have it. And seventh and last is what is direction is the market going in, the general market? Is it going up or is it going down? 
He said the market should be in a clear uptrend. That's when you buy. Don't buy when it's going down, he's saying. And there you have his seven reasons and, and methods for picking us a stock, a growth stock. Hope those help you. It's a great education. And now on to the fifth and last segment. And on to the fifth and last segment, our six precursors for a market crash. Let's go down the list. First is the interest rate for the 10-year Treasury bond, 1.536. Basically no change and basically not a problem. What we're looking for is a, a rapidly increasing interest rate here, which would force the Fed to change course and start raising rates, which would cause a market crash. That is not happening. Interest rates are going sideways. So uh, everybody's happy. Nothing's no danger due to interest rates right now. Uh, how about second one is the high yield bond. What we're looking for is high yield bonds or junk bonds, if you want to call them that. Uh, they tend to crash just before a market crashes. For some reason, they seem to know what's going on. And so I look at the value. There's a value if you buy an index. I uh, look, look at a PIMCO index and it's 9.09. It's the highest value it's ever been. I'm looking for a very fast falling value, but the highest value says there's massive strength in this market, in the high-yield junk bond market. Massive strength. People are continuing to buy in, which are saying that the stock market is just as safe as can be. So that is not a precursor either. The third one I look at are exchange rates, the dollar against the euro, etc., etc. And basically, interest rates are going sideways. I'm looking for a massive falling of the U.S. dollar in value, but they're going sideways. If there was a fall, then we would see rising inflation even faster than it is right now. But it's so current inflation is not being caused by, uh, which is kind of interesting conclusion, is not being caused by exchange rate changes. It's being caused by something else. Fourth indicator is the CPI or the Consumer Price Index. Hey, the last value was in May. It was 5%. And this is the story. I mean, inflation is the story in the United States today. It's uh, moving the markets. It's people are starting to think about what it, does it truly mean. It's having a slow but gradual and meaningful effect on the markets. But uh, so far, it hasn't not is not causing a crash. I think it's going to remain high. I'm 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 looking for some big surprises. I thought May was a massive surprise in interest rates. But so, nothing new there. The fifth precursor is a change in the federal, uh, the Fed's policy, the FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee's policy of raising interest rates. That would cause a market crash instantly. Even the thought of it happening would. Now, what have they done? They have recently just slightly changed their idea. They were going to, they were predicting, this is not policy. They were predicting an interest rate rise in 2024. Now they're saying, no, the first two interest rate rises, meaning quarter percent each, they're saying, would be in 2023. Well, that's all fun and interesting. And then more informally, as Fed Chairman Powell, that's official. The unofficial one is that, oh no, that's going to happen in 2022. When the Fed policy does that, that will be a change. Another one to look out for is a... Uh, 
you know, they're doing quantitative easing. When they ease off on quantitative easing and they start buying less stuff, in other words, reduce the quantitative, not necessarily stop it, but reduce it, that will be a major change in their policy too. And that will rattle the markets. That could happen in the next month or two. We'll see. And the sixth and last one is a bluebird. Just something happening in the world that would cause a market crash. They can happen anytime. And there was nothing. So there is the market. There's nothing that's causing, looks like a market crash in the imminent future. And uh, so be it. The strength is ruling right now with lots of uh, red, red flags flying out there. Look at those flags. Watch the wind. That's it from the Economy Guy this week. Be looking, looking forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.